This episode of Ministry Monday is sponsored by the NPM National Convention. The 2023 National Convention, titled Walking with the Saints, will take place in Reno, Nevada from July 10th through the 14th and virtually from July 18th through 20th. Both the in-person and virtual convention opportunities include prayer, learning, networking, and of course, music from which to grow and expand in pastoral ministry today. Advanced registration for the convention closes on June 1st. For more information and how to register, visit npm.org. From NPM, the National Association of Pastoral Musicians, this is Episode 220 of Ministry Monday. Ministry Monday is a weekly podcast about music, ministry, and liturgy produced by the National Association of Pastoral Musicians, or NPM. What is NPM? NPM is a national association that fosters the art of musical liturgy. The members of NPM serve the Catholic Church in the United States as musicians, clergy, liturgists, and other leaders of prayer. For more information, go to npm.org forward slash join. Have a question? Email us anytime at ministrymonday at npm.org. Hello, and welcome to Ministry Monday. I am your host, Amanda Bruce. If you haven't done so yet, please subscribe to Ministry Monday wherever you listen to your podcasts each week. And hey, thanks for joining us. Today's episode explores the world of pipe organ repertoire. I so often hear discussions of high-level organ performance pieces fit for excellent organ concerts, but so often we may not take the time to discuss an organ repertoire that's manageable and attainable for all levels of skill and on a pastoral musician's available time frame for learning. Organists who may have started as pianists and are learning how to play organ, or maybe organists who are quite frankly overcommitted to other tasks can find beautiful, accessible organ music that supports the mass each week. That is the starting point from which I begin my conversation today. Today I speak with Joel Kumro, the choir master and organist at St. Benedict Catholic Church in Richmond, Virginia. Joel is also the director of his parish's concert series and is the instructor of liturgical music at St. Benedict Catholic School. Joel, originally a trained classical singer, shares how he developed a regularly rotating repertoire of organ music as he learned the king of instruments and how he has come to use it well today. Today on Ministry Monday, I'm speaking to Joel Kumro. Hi, Joel. How are you? Hey, Amanda, I'm great. Thanks so much for having me on today. Thank you. Thank you for talking with us on Ministry Monday. Now, um, first off, this episode is going to be airing during the Easter season. Okay, so you made it. You did it. (laughs) Um, What is is one of the things that I, I, listeners, I haven't even prepped him for this. So this is also good for Joel as well. But what is one of your favorite things to do? 
after Holy Week and Easter is done? Like what is something that gives you a lot of restoration and life after the Easter, like after Holy Week? It's actually very interesting you should ask and I know exactly how to answer this question. So I have two very dear friends uh, and we were all in the graduate liturgical music program together at St. John's in Collegeville and graduated um, around the same time. And, uh, you know, we're all organists, music director, choir directors, et cetera. And we've had this tradition ever since we graduated, COVID notwithstanding, of course, but uh, of getting together in our respective cities and we sort of rotate and we just like really celebrate the octave, you know, like we just get together and we talk about all of the joys and the trauma that we experienced over the last week. And, you know, then we, have just a wonderful time and enjoy each other's company and reminisce about all of the crazy things we did in grad school and since then. And so that's, that's usually what I do during the Easter octave. And it's, it's a great joy. That's great. I, th I think that's a tip we could all do. You just kind of togetherness community and then rest as well. So that's great. That's great. Well, okay. So today we're talking about really at the base of it, organ repertoire. Um, now, listeners, if you're listening, I will admit that the reason that this episode came to fruition is because Joel is going to be offering a breakout session at this year's NPM convention and a little bit more on that later. Um, but really, more than anything, as Joel and I were talking to prepare for this episode, we were really talking about building a foundational organ repertoire, regardless of your level of ability. You know, I mean, I... Joel, I don't want to be presumptuous, but I personally think that maybe when I was a beginner organist, I thought that that would be like high. That's only what high level organists do is to like create a, a, a library, if you will, of things to constantly play from. So but I really honestly, I, I hope you agree, but like I think it's good for us to say it's possible for every level. It's totally possible for every level. Um... And I'd love to chat uh, about exactly that today, because what I find is that people um, and I've experienced this myself, which is one of the reasons why I came up with the idea for our talk today. And then as well, our talk, uh, my talk that we'll have at the convention in July um, is that it can be really intimidating and people are freaked out because it's this big instrument. Everybody's at different levels and some people are concert organists and other people are, you know, they might call themselves a parish organist or an advanced organist or a pianist that plays the organ or, you know, somebody that just, you know, does whatever. And the reality is that we've got this beautiful instrument with its giant repertory, uh, one of the largest that we have next to the human voice. I mean, just so much stuff and that there's a lot of beauty and a lot of musical value in music that may not be as technically challenging as people think. Said another way, you know, you can you can have music be advanced that may not be uh, as, as difficult as you think that people will enjoy, that will enhance your music program, that could potentially even be used on a recital should you be asked to be, uh, should you be asked to do one. And then on the other hand, uh, you know, we could look at some things that are a little bit more challenging or more importantly, how to build your program out while you also uh, advance or perhaps refine your skills. Let's start with you, Joel, actually. How did you begin creating an organ repertoire? Yeah, this is a really great question. And this is a big part of why I uh, wanted to come up with this talk. And that is because um, organ is actually a later instrument in my life. Most of my early training was uh, voice 
uh, vocal performance and choral conducting on the tenor. You probably heard me singing very loud at NPM conventions. You will hear me singing very loudly again at NPM conventions in the future. Anyway, <laughs> I, I, I kid a bit. But in uh, then I came to the organ um, much later, uh, relatively. I mean, not not for all, but but for some. Uh, I, I started playing the organ kind of in my third and fourth year in undergrad, and then I took some time off before I went to graduate school to refine those skills and study more and prepare for a graduate degree in liturgical music with a concentration in organ. So I learned all of this crazy concert rep, and that was really cool. I, I, I learned enough to get into graduate schools. I learned enough to put on the requisite recitals at a graduate program. And you know, uh, during that time, while I was working in parishes, but more importantly, when I uh, moved on from the parish I was at during graduate school to the to the parish that I'm at now, that has a beautiful. Uh, a uh, beautiful uh, European style tracker organ and had a culture of organ repertoire and organ playing. I came here and I was like, okay, I can play. And I've got a couple of recitals under my belt, but what on earth am I gonna do every week, week in and week out? So uh, though I was aware of some of the repertoire, I found myself having to build this together and it was incredibly stressful and uh, once I kind of got over the fact that it was stressful, I started to have a lot of fun with it. And I realized myself that it's not so challenging. Some of the easier pieces that I would present in the beginning uh, of, of this process, just because I needed to be producing so much music so fast, some of those things have even stayed in my rotation that I have today. And then it's been filled, filled out by other um, more challenging pieces, more interesting or diverse pieces, newer pieces, older pieces, and then even some things that I played in, in concerts. And on the other side of that coin would be the fact that I've been able to draw from this program that I put together to put together uh, recitals. Wow. I, I think that's a great place to start because I do think it's, it's so interesting. I feel like the organ is such a unique instrument because people come, they, they approach it from so many different levels of use, if that makes sense. I mean, of course, we think, oh, the organ, it is, it's in a church. Why wouldn't it be church? And of course, we use it in church. But, you know, those who study on a high level, we use it as a concert instrument. And then we also, and you didn't mention this, but I think we also have to really shift our focus as pastoral musicians so that we are playing very appropriate pieces, which we'll talk about in a minute, but also that they are acoustically appropriate. A lot of the times concert music is, you know, it can be very loud. It can be um, maybe super appropriate for concert, but not so much for prelude. So with that being said, how did you start? What are some of the initial resources that you found were very helpful to you? Yeah. So, um, well, there's so many things, right? Uh, what I found was like when I first arrived on the scene here, I was like, oh my gosh, you know, I, I, I've got a number of pieces under my belt. I'm building this repertory, but I definitely don't have a ton. I arrived my first weekend liturgically here at St. Benedict was the celebration of the Most Holy Trinity. And it was like, okay, jackpot, because... It's, it's much easier, and I think we could probably relate to this in our hymn planning 
or in our uh, choral anthems or instrumental music, it, you know, for other instruments we're putting together, you know, like when you're in the middle of ordinary time in the summer, you know, sometimes you get those times where it's like, oh my gosh, what on earth am I going to plan this weekend for uh, instrumental music or what's my prelude going to be? What hymn are we going to sing at offertory, et cetera? You know, and then it's like, but if you, you know, you start on the most Holy Trinity, okay, great, because, you know, we've got all these great things. And I remember on that particular weekend, I found this collection that I had had, you know, I, a lot of us will collect, you know, we'll get music as gifts or we'll collect music from, uh, you know, things that are given to us or, or, or whatever, you know, you get the AGO will have that thing or look, you know, grab a piece, give a piece, whatever. And so I found this little collection of, of pieces. It was like a jackpot in my very own library. It was a number of settings based on Olux Beata Trinini to us. And I was like, jackpot and in there was this beautiful setting of Olux Beata by Svelink and I had known some Svelink music from uh, studying through my graduate program and otherwise and I was like okay sweet Svelink I can roll with this his music's cool I even studied some of these early fingerings we're gonna have fun the instrument plays it well whatever it'll be fun for the audience you know at the audience as it were of course you know together but, uh, but you know and it'll really complement this liturgy you know this is what the people here had expected uh, you know, or or it could or become used to. So I was like, okay, sweet. Wow. So I found that and I put those together and that was like my prelude. And I forget what my postlude was that might have been something more generic. But anyway, I was like, cool. I themed something really awesome for prelude. Okay. And then, you know, that weekend's over and it's like, wow, I survived my first weekend here. It went largely maybe decent, I suppose. And then you're like, wow, okay, now what do I do next week? You know, <laughs> so, yes. so, I'd like to use that collection as an example of uh, several things that I could talk about today because I found this cool collection, pieces, Olux Beata Trinitas, awesome. The one that I really liked was one by Spaling. So what do we have to work with there? We have a setting of music based on the text that's pertinent to the feast. We have a notable com composer, Jan Spaling, right? And then um, we have like this collection of other pieces in there too, right? So what I like to do and what I found tremendously helpful is to like, say I like a composer. I happen to like Svelink. I actually don't play a ton of it here, but I play enough of it that it's, you know, people hear it and uh, try to make it stylistically appropriate and all of that. So, you know, you go through, you go to IMSOP or you, you know, you, you queue up the Google machine and you start looking up repertoire by, uh, repertoire by Svelink. Or on the other hand, you take a text like Olux Beata, pop that into IMSLP, pop that into Google and see what other kind of uh, musical settings you can find there. And sometimes you'll find collections of music that have other uh, pieces by the same composer or pieces based on the same text or perhaps another text for the feast and you can start building out from there. Of course, it's much easier for a solemnity or a feast day, but that is uh, that that is like one of the first recommendations I would give and that's been tremendously helpful to me and also interesting and fun because I've discovered a lot of pieces that I didn't even know about. You mentioned IMSLP. For someone who is listening, what is that if they don't know? Yeah, so I'm gonna forget the acronym um, I have a, a very dear musical friend who unfortunately plays double reads, but she always makes the joke that, sorry, that was a joke for all the double read players. I love double reads, but anyway, <laughs> she, uh, she calls it, I am asleep, uh, which it's not, I'm asleep. So I can't recall what the acronym is, but IMSLP is amazing. It's this giant database of all of these pieces that are held within the public domain, you know, which means that they're no longer under copyright. People can upload things. People can create their own um, 
uh, their own editions of things and put them on there. And uh, IMSLP is an incredibly, I can't emphasize this enough, an incredibly valuable resource for uh, an organist, for really any musician, but especially for an organist, because there's a tremendous amount of really passionate organists that have put some great things on there. And there's even some, some dudes and some gals out there that have put together these beautiful editions of things and, and arrangements of things and put them on IMSLP. So you, even in some, in some cases, you get some pieces that are um, from the standard repertory that are available, these really beautiful editions that are easy to read and available for free, or you can contribute to IMSLP to you know, for the, the cause and all of that. But uh, super recommend IMSLP, imslp.org. Check it out. It's great. Uh, you can even uh, search by instrument. You can search by composer. There's, it's, it's great. The more you, you poke around in there, the more you're going to find. And it's free, which is and always it's great. Free. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it, it yeah. really is. Huge hit. Well, okay. Whether you're looking at IMSLP or looking at other additions, other arrangements, other collections of organ music. What is your stance about music that is manuals only versus manuals with organ? With pedals, sorry, manuals with pedals. Yes, no, that's fine. I am incredibly passionate about this. There is really, really high quality music available and some really challenging music available for manuals alone. I think that we need to destroy this idea that music for manuals and pedals is overly challenging. And I think we need to also destroy the idea that musical music for manuals alone is too easy or not challenging enough. There's a tremendous amount of repertoire. And also one must realize that the organ existed for like a huge part of its own history without a pedal board or without a fully developed pedal board that we know now. So, you know, as a side note, my recommendation to so many organists out there and to many students that I've had is like, don't be intimidated by the pedal board. Send me an email, you know, later or something like that. I'll send you like five easy tips or somebody else will, or, you know, look, the AGO has videos or other people, it's great. Don't be intimidated by the pedal board, but also don't discount wonderful music that's written for manuals alone. And if I may, I would like to make two examples for you of really awesome music that's largely for manuals alone. The first one is, and this will be tangentially related to something else we can talk about if we have time uh, regarding concert music, but one must really look at, in my opinion, the chorale partitas of Bach. The chorale partitas, if you have the Baron Rider set, which of course I didn't bring to my office, which is very helpful in this very moment. Uh, in number one, um, you've got that. Uh, I've become like a super partita guy over the last few years. My my rounds of recitals that I played for, I think the last three years in a row, I've had a Bach partita on. Um, and because I just find that a lot of people don't put them on recitals and it's marvelous music. It's not too challenging. You can, you can take the, the individual partitas apart and present them in the liturgy. You could present them as prelude or as postlude or something like that. And the majority of the partitas um, are for manual alone, or that would be most commonly how they, how they would be played. And it's fabulous music. Some of it is really challenging. He's even got a couple of pieces that are like by Chinia, you know, so just two lines. And it's so exposed and it's so elegant and it's also so challenging, even though it's only two parts. But so one must really look at the chorale partitas of Bach. That it would be one place to go. Also, the Neumeister chorales, if you have the Baron Reiter set, which I'm very proud to have 
I've worked very hard to collect them. Uh, volume nine, this is a collection of box uh, corrals that was uh, just discovered in the 1980s. Most of them are for manual alone, great music, some familiar corrals that we would even use within Catholic worship. And also another collection that Amanda and I were talking about via email that I've recommended a million times is the Oxford Service Music for Organ Collection. I cannot recommend this collection enough. I've used it with students. I've used it when I've done repertoire presentations to our AGO. Um, I just tell all sorts of people about it all the time. What I love about this collection, and I recommend that if you can go out and buy all six volumes, three for manuals alone and three for, for manuals and pedals right away. Also, the editions are great. Very easy to read, very well done. I don't work for Oxford. I probably should. I should call them. You know, them. <laughs> anyway, just kidding. But um, what's wonderful is the books come one, two, and volume one, two, and three, or I think book one, two, and three, and it's graded by difficulty, right? So one is pretty easy. Some of the music is like really not very technical, cha technically challenging at all. They've even got either registration suggestions based on what would be, you know, perhaps appropriate, or uh, they will tell you what the registrations are if the composer asks specifically for them. One thing I love about collections like this Oxford collection and some others that I would recommend is that it becomes almost like, for lack of a better phrase, a gateway drug for repertoire, right? <laughs> you know, if you find something really cool in these collections and in, in a number of them, you're going to find pieces that it might also be available on IMSLP. But for example, IMSLP is huge. And when you're directing a huge music program with all the choirs and all the other stuff that we have to do all the time, sometimes you don't have the bandwidth or the energy or the time or you know who knows what to be sitting on IMSLP for hours and hours. So to have it consolidated into a rather dog-eared uh, setting of this book like this, you can go through and say like, oh, I really like this piece, you know, for, uh -huh. for example, I opened up to, Edward Elgard's Vesper Voluntary that's in here. This is a fabulous collection. The whole thing's available on MSLP. I didn't know about it. I was introduced to it via this book. Uh, a lot of people don't seem to play any of them if they haven't had this book. <laughs> and you can get the whole collection and they're beautiful music. You can use them for Vespers. You can use them for this, the, liturgy, the celebration of the Eucharist, et cetera. So, um, Find really good collections with good editions, and that will help. And again, there's manuals only, manuals and pedals. So um, that was kind of a long way about saying that, but I would look for a lot of that. Look at the French Baroque repertoire is huge for music for mostly manuals. Huge, just huge, and really challenging in a way that might be different. You know, uh, the French Baroque repertoire may not be as challenging from a strictly technical standpoint, there might not be as many notes to make a bad joke uh, as some other things. Although the style of the French Baroque is 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 rather esoteric, and it, it provides a really nice opportunity for you actually to you know kind of dive into that a little bit, playing the trills, playing the you know the ornaments and all of that. So I would check that out. The French Baroque Couperin, especially Couperin de Grigny, a little bit more challenging there, actually quite a bit more challenging, but. Um, you know, that sort of thing. And you can find lots of YouTube videos of that music. You can find people talking about how to interpret them and, and et cetera. I want to say also in listeners, we swear we're not sponsored by Oxford. Okay. But of all. those, <laughs> but those Oxford books, um, I want to give a tip to the listeners and to Jewel actually. Um, so I have used the manuals only book and the manuals and pedals book, book one so much 
that I actually went to Staples and I had them put it spiral bound. And it, I tell you, it makes such a difference because it also lasts so much longer then. And when I spiral bound them, I think it cost me under $7. And it has just, it is, man, it has made such a difference in my books. But anyways, um, yes, I think that's, that's wonderful. I, I do think sometimes manuals only get a bad rep sometimes. But it really, so it really ought there. not to. There's, there's just marvelous music. There's collections of music, uh, especially from France for the harmonium. You know, this was very common in French churches where you would have a grand organ in the gallery. Uh, mm -hmm. The choir would often be singing up in the chancel or in the sanctuary, and there would be a smaller organ, an orbe de coeur, or, you know, what would be a harmonium, a reed organ. And there's composers like Franck, for example, that wrote these large uh, collections of uh, of music that would be for that. And those can be played on the pipe organ beautifully. You've got lots of, of you can take lots of liberties with your registrations and which stop to use. Um, and again, it, and even some of them you can add pedal if you wish too, or to make it easier technically. So definitely I, I wanna get away from that whole idea. And I was guilty of this for a long time too. Music is not suddenly not as good because there isn't pedal and music isn't innately more difficult on the other hand, just because it doesn't pedal. Right, right. Let's talk a little bit about all of this planning we've talked about. Joel, what do we do if our plans don't go as planned for whatever reason that is? What do we do? Yeah, I have a huge problem with this even to this day. So I, I, I like cause myself a huge amount of stress trying to plan all this stuff, probably more detailed and much more difficult than anybody here would appreciate. Um, but whatever, that's the life. But so give yourself a way out and give yourself a little bit of grace, right? So like you printed the worship aids, they say that you're gonna play this Bach chorale prelude or you know this Brahms chorale prelude or what have you. And you're just like, you know, let's say, I don't know, it's Thursday at like four o'clock and you've got another meeting and then a mass tonight and then you've got one in the morning and then rehearsals all day. And you're like, just not sure if your Bach Omensch Bevine is going to mm. be ready for Saturday. Mm -hmm. Right. What are you going to do? Have something else ready or repeat something. You know, I I found, you know, it doesn't have to be a week, but give yourself a little grace to do that or come up with some other idea. Find something for the harpsichord to play on the organ. Find a piano piece that'll work really well. Find a create your own hymn arrangement improvise a little bit or this one's really fun you know you can go on imslp or kind of like a sister site cpdl which is for the choral public domain library find a piece of polyphony and play that on the organ which by the way would be a legitimate thing to do you know a lot of times we would sub out a voice for an obligato instrument or you know do something like that it's okay, it's fine. Put it on the shelf for next week. If you're gonna miss out on your piece that's like really great for a solemnity, okay, play it again next year, you know? But but that would be fine, have a way out. And the more that you are preparing these pieces, the more that you're gonna have pieces to draw from as well. Okay, so let's talk a little bit about music in a creating your own repertoire for special services and liturgies like weddings, funerals. What do you do to prepare for them? Yeah, weddings, man. So weddings, <laughs> you know, it's interesting. It's like, I need somebody to um, do a ministry Monday or, uh, you know, a talk at a conference about 
organ music for weddings for me personally, because I'm just like a little burned out on playing the same stuff. Now that I, mm. that being said, maybe some of us are playing the same stuff or getting the same request because the music is practically advantageous to use during a procession. Like, Bach, Yezu Joy of Man's Desiring, like, cool. Repeat a section, cut a section out. Bride's going too fast, bride's taking too long, whatever, you know? Um, yeah. So there's also a lot of collections out there. There's some good collections and there's some bad collections. Once again, to Oxford, we're not being sponsored. <laughs> Oxford, ceremonial music for organ, found that one, cool. You might you find some great pieces, just ceremonial music. It's not the usual stuff. It's not just, you know, the Moray Rondo or something like that. It's some other cool stuff. And then also give yourself some liberty to show your couples. I have found that couples get super excited when I show them music I'm passionate about. When I take them up to the organ loft and it's like, you know, I had a couple last year that like really loved music. And we, we have this beautiful organ here, you know, it's, it's kind of a spectacle in and of itself. And I get people bring them up to the organ loft and they look at this big green tracker organ and they're like, whoa, this thing is so cool. And I had this couple last year that was like, what are you working on? And I was like, ha incidentally, I have two recitals coming up, you know, and they're like, play us something from your recital. And I was like, Aww. oh, maybe this will work. And then they wanted it at their at their wedding. And now these pieces are in my wedding lineup all the time. Nice. So that may not have been the easiest way, but it is a way. Also, you know, look for the composers that have great pieces, great collections available. I mean, Oxford is a great place to go. Gerald Neer has a great uh, collection. He has several great collections. And I presented on this um, with Nick Will a few years ago in Baltimore NPM. We did a new repertoire recital. It was really fun. And I played a couple of Neer pieces. He's got a, I think it's called the St. Augustine organ book. Yep. And in there, he's got like a really nice, very accessible, in my opinion, somewhat advanced, but I think overall accessible. Practice it for a couple of weeks. You're going to have a lot more funerals in the future. You'll be fine. Get a lot of money. Got a lot of miles out of this piece. A piece based on the In Paradisum, right? Mm -hmm. So it's like, you know, if you have a traditional program like here where you're going to occasionally use or all the time use In Paradisum, sweet. Or and if you're not going to use it, you've got a beautiful piece to play anyway. Yeah, mm -hmm. that's great. Okay, we've just clearly scratched the surface on this topic. And so you are going to be presenting on this topic in Reno. So can you give a little preview? If someone's thinking about going to your breakout, starting to think about going to the convention, what can they expect? It's called Repertoire and Context, Organ Repertoire for Liturgy and Concert. What can we expect? Yeah, so um, I'm, I'm excited to give this talk because it's, it's exactly the talk that I think I would have liked to have gone to many, many times so far. <laughs> and we'll talk, we'll hit on in a more detailed manner a lot of the things that we did today. I'll give you some practical tips at, on how to find things, uh, you know, give you more ideas how to do it. We'll talk about additions. We'll talk about how to start putting together things so that you get a nice liturgical year put together. And then, you know, once you get it, how can you swap things out for better things or take them into other stuff? And then somebody asks you to play your recital. Your, your parish builds a new pipe organ or rebuilds it or gets a new electronic organ or, you know, the parish down the road wants you to come and play for something. Oh my gosh, what am I going to do? I'm not a concert organist. Don't, I don't have a repertoire. Yes, you do. So how do you build a repertoire that you can put together that you can present on a at another parish at an AGO members recital at an NPM members recital or, you know, anything like that, or, you know, to, to showcase something to your parish. Um, so we'll talk about that. 
I'm going to touch on a little bit the very complex subject, in my opinion, with no clear answer, but I'll give that as a preview about whether or not these pieces are concert pieces or liturgical pieces and what, in my opinion, uh, is the difference there. We'll talk a little bit about the, the judgments that you find in Sing to the Lord and how that's actually not perfect, but I it, that's not perfect for organ repertoire, but how I use that to interpret uh, uh, selections for the organ organ repertoire. So that's a little preview of it, and uh, you know we'll talk about some things like I like I had already mentioned about you know manuals alone, going to some repertoire that you haven't seen before, new music, old music, registration, the whole thing. So uh, once again, we probably won't scratch this more, do more than scratch the surface, but I'll I've got a lot that I'm very excited to tell everyone about. Oh my gosh, we haven't, we didn't even talk about organ registration. Well, we'll, we'll just have to come to your breakout session. And I, I will also say too, that your breakout session is slated to be recorded. So if you are considering, if you want to come to the convention, but maybe you can't make it to Reno, join us for the virtual convention, because you will be able to benefit from Joel's teachings, because it will be one of the breakout sessions during the virtual too. So yay. Thank you for sharing your knowledge and your encouragement too on this topic too. Um, making it feel like building your organ repertoire is totally within reason is something I think too is very attainable. Absolutely, absolutely. It's been such a great privilege to be here with you today, Amanda. I'm really grateful for the opportunity. I hope it's been helpful to some people. I look forward to seeing you in Reno. Uh, write me if there's something I can do to help you more because we're all in this together. We've got a beautiful instrument with a beautiful repertory and the music really deserves to be played and ears really deserve to receive it in prayer. Thanks so much to Joel for his time today. For more information about Joel or his session at the 2023 National Convention, visit the show notes of this episode at ministrymonday.org. The recording of Ach, Vasol, Ich Sunder Machen was actually recorded by Joel himself as part of NPM's lunchtime concert series in the summer of 2020. The theme music for this episode was produced by Aaron Schaus, and today's episode of Ministry Monday was produced by me, Amanda Bruce. That's it for today. With the Spirit's gifts empowering us for the work of ministry, thanks for listening. Have a great week, and we'll see you back here soon on Ministry Monday.